And uh, first thing Kevin and I wanted to know is what kind of driver do you have in your bag nowadays? That's a good question. You ready? I'm good. Let's go. Good to go. Ty, you ready? Why not? All right, blow that whistle. <laughs> timeout, Tyler. Who are we taking the timeout with today? Well, thank you, Kevin. And ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, today we have William Bolter, uh, president and CEO of Bolter Industrial Contractors. And uh, Willis, William, Bill, <laughs> thank you for being on the show this morning. And uh, first thing Kevin and I wanted to know is what kind of driver do you have in your bag nowadays? That's a good question. So about every other year I switch. So two years ago, I had a TaylorMade driver with a pink three wood. So I got refitted last January. Now I have a ping driver and a TaylorMade three wood. So how far are you every year it switches. I don't know. Oh, it doesn't I, matter. His height, Ty, I bet he's over 300. Off the, off yeah, you the, no. number 300 out there, Bill? You guys see me, this body, <laughs> this body doesn't turn. You know, it doesn't turn. They always say we're on the tee box. You got to turn. I go, this is all I got. <laughs> Even my buddies, they all outdrive me by 30, 40 yards at least. And I always say, I'll see you at the green. <laughs> exactly. So it's all about the, the short green. game. It's all about, it's all about the short game. You can hit a mile, but it's all about the short game. <laughs> and this body doesn't turn. I'm going to use that turn, one. Man. No. Tyler, yeah, I've seen you with a golf stick in your hand, too. Oh, All right, Will. Well, I think uh, I saw Tyler with a golf stick on his LinkedIn page on a photo. Is that is that a photo with you? Yeah, that was out in Arizona. You can hit it a mile out there, Bill. That that hair is a little different. That was a. I think it was the pink shorts and the blue socks you had on. Maybe it was, maybe I noticed mostly. That was like the first time you had swung a club in like ten years, hasn't it? Wasn't it? It was a while, man. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, no, no, my, my Razorback red shorts were tinted pink, it looked like. You're right, Bill. Yeah, and the funny thing, I played in Arizona three years ago, and I never played there before. And when I got to the starter, he goes, if you go in the bushes, just be careful. I'm like, all right, why? He goes, snakes. I'm like, okay. And I can remember hitting the ball probably just off into the – just off, I can see it over there. I'm like – I'm not leaving this. No way. That ball, it ain't worth it. <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, my grandfather always told this story of how he had to beat a uh, gopher up with a golf club over the head because it just wouldn't stop chasing him. So yeah. sometimes those geese get a little frisky too on the golf course. Yeah. You never know if you're going to have to wrap, a, a wrap, <laughs> wrap an yeah. iron iron around them. So uh, besides sports, Willis, you're the fifth. Um, so we know over at Bolter being kind of that uh, family owned and operated company for how many years has it been? It'd be 130 years this year. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so what was, yeah. uh, I guess, with that, that many generations, and I'm sure your father told you, I learned this from my father. What was that common theme in the Bolter family, the, that life lesson that they kept passing generation to generation? I think we all had different ways of leading the business, you know, um, but one of the, one of the things that um, I think we all are is, was being engaged with our people. Um, being here in the mornings, you know, not many that I can tell you, you know, CEOs or owners of companies are in the, in the office at six 30 in the mornings. but we've always been, my grandfather, my father, have always been early risers and always want to be here with the people, you know, my guys are leaving here in the morning, going out, working out in the snow and this weather. And mm -hmm. it's just, 
you have to i just feel i have to be here with them when they leave i love that not at every morning but i'm i'm here majority of the mornings you know not quite at six o'clock in the morning i used to be but i'm still here before they roll out but, that's so important i'm sure that they yeah. know that you're there showing up yourself yeah being and, being in in sight is, is huge yeah. you know everybody wants to see the owner and you know in the mornings yeah it's and i know they go to that. war for a person like that you know it's like if that is my leader dude i'll go kick some ass somewhere for the guy you know if he's right. waking up at six right. guess what i can wake up at six with the smile on my face my, my <laughs> yeah so right. and i was gonna ask you bill what what are holidays like in the bolter family man it's like if you have so many generations is it wild oh it used to be uh, used to be out of control <laughs> so my my father comes with uh he had four sisters and one of them had 11 kids. One had, uh, I can't remember, four. I mean, my grandparents had like 26 grandchildren. And, Holy cow. And then we had great-grandchildren. And before my grandmother passed, we had great-great-grandchildren. So, yeah, it was wow. it was crazy. And, wow. Uh, we used to have the, and then um, my grandfather was always big on the Bolter family reunion. We, we used to have every year from my grandmother's side of the family and his and it was a lot of people. I can imagine. It sounds sounds, sounds like a new bench. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Sounds like your own football team. We have a family reunion we celebrate every two years and uh, sounds like a fraction of the size, but it is awesome to kind of stay in touch with some family members that you may not see throughout the year. It's every two years yeah. and my family's all over the country. So that's awesome. What is um, one thing that uh, you had to learn as a leader as you kind of understanding your history, right? You started right, your your father did not hand you any job. You started right as a field field worker um, yeah. and, and you kind of worked your way up. How important was that for you to learn like all sides of the business to, to step into that leadership role that you're in now? There's no doubt. It, being in the field for years is huge. I mean, you can't, this, our business, you can't just, you, you don't go to college. You don't go, you don't learn it in trade school. This is all hands-on here. And um, from the day one, when I was in middle school, I didn't have snow days and stuff like that. If I had a snow day, my grandfather was picking me up and we're going to work, you know, and he learned, you know, you know, I was driving fork truck in the city warehouse. And then after college, I worked in during college. And then after college, I worked in the field for five, six years wow. just to get to know the business. And, and you know, if you, no our type of business every day is different it could be mm -hmm. the same machine same conveyor line same tank but there's always something different mm -hmm. power lines overhead or it's going through a second floor window so you know being in the field to learn the basics of i'm still learning every day yeah you know i'm still learning every day but you know i can get the right tools to the job for my guys but mm -hmm. seeing how they execute it i mean you're still learning every day here i love that and you're learning through experiences, which is awesome. And I, and yeah. I think just just being on the front line, though, too, is that made you more in tune with like how they're like what is going on within their day. So, you know, how how to lead them or how to motivate them. Right. I mean, my guys, like I said, my people here, I wouldn't be sitting at this chair if it wasn't for them. The way they execute it, they love their jobs. They love the challenge. You know, when they execute that challenge, you know, it, it's a great feeling at the end. And Bill, I was going to ask you, like, on the day-to-day, -day, uh, being a president and CEO, I, I imagine you have to keep some uh, some sort of energy up 
day in day out you know because if you falter it ain't a good look i don't think yeah. you know around around your people how, how do you recreate yourself every day yeah, is there something behind it it's hard that's a good question it's hard you know you, you look outside like right, right now and it's snowing you know and the guys it, it gets you know oh, i gotta go out in the snow so you try to you try to go out and you try to engage with them and try to bust each other's chops a little bit and just have a little bit of fun just to lighten it up a little bit you know that's the only way you know it's you 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 know living up well you used to know now that you're down south <laughs> it's now, he, now he rubs it in <laughs> yeah it's, it's 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 hard it's tough to go out in this weather every day yeah but just trying to keep it light you know just trying to keep them you know happy and just go out and bust a little chops here and there have a little joke here and there my grandfather was big on that my grandfather was the biggest jokester around i mean I can remember times he used to come up in the mornings if you were having a uh, donut or at break time, you're having a sandwich, he would come right up and he would stick his finger right in your sandwich. <laughs> and you'd look at him like, what are you doing? He's like, no, I just seen what you're having today. Just, he was the biggest, biggest one. You know, he, he's the one that kind of taught me my little, you know, he used to come up to me and say, you know what? Some days you're as handy as a pocket in an undershirt. And I'd have to think a minute. A pocket in an undershirt ain't really handy, Grant. What are you talking about? <laughs> that is he always, hilarious. He always had something going. He did. He was, yeah. But he, sometimes you have to make light of what you're doing because obviously at the end of the day, Willis, like you know yeah. how dangerous that job is, right? And I know you right. guys have shared that with us. And at the end of the right. day, something could go really wrong. Um, so I think right. make it light of that. And and I know that's so important why you, you're focused on safety and enabling their success. And you mentioned something about giving them the tools that they needed. Um, right. Can you want to expand on that? Because I know, I know each job is different, but right. wh why is that so important to you that you're enabling their success? So my biggest my biggest fear every day waking up coming in here is making sure everyone goes home mm -hmm. you know uh, that's my biggest you know fear every day i just wanted to you know in our business one little slip and you know it could be tragic and uh you know we just make sure that we have all the safety you know stuff mm -hmm. the tools the resources the high vis the crane plans the rigging plans you know the best that we can just so everyone is safe you know mm -hmm. It is, you know, in this business, knock on wood, you know, it, it, one little mistake it could be costly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's good, good, good you know, to I'm, know that it's top you know, of I'm mind. Big, and I just want to make sure that everyone leaves here at the end of the day. That's, yeah. you know, when I close that door at night and I go home, another day successful. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. He, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's how he gauges his success, not, <laughs> yeah. not profits only. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, well, Willis, I was going to ask you, you've been in business for over 130 years. Um, where do you see yourself uh, where your business in, I don't know, in the, in the next 10 years? Well, I won't see it in 10 years, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be down in Texas when you golf. I'll be done. <laughs> you know, we try to, um, you know, we've been, my grandfather and my father, you know, each, each one of us generations have made us more diversified. You know, back in the days we did, you know, we used to be just a trucking company. Then my grandfather and my father started a household moving, got rid of that. Then my dad separated and um, started the rigging and the warehousing out here at Webster. We always had the warehousing in the city. So I've started, you know, we got the crane and packaging, you know, division. So we've been, you know, growing more diversified. And we've mostly been targeted here in Rochester, Monroe County and the surrounding counties for 
year as far as I ever know. So now we are, you know, we're trying to get out and get into the, you know, central New York, southern tier a lot more. You know, we, we see a lot more work, you know, for us going in those areas more than just in this area. Yeah, and, and you know, the name of Bolter is, uh, is obviously really well known here in Rochester, and it just sounds like right. it's just the character of, of your father, right. your grandfather, yourself, and, and, and right. the generations before that is, is right. amazing. And I know you used to talk about kind of way back when is um, when you were doing a lot of work for Xerox, one of the most prolific and prominent organizations. Yep. And, and you shared um, that you felt like you needed to diversify even more at that time. How do you right. get yourself comfortable with change and like adding these new services or solutions that you see in the market? Like, how do you get how do you get yourself comfortable? Because sometimes that means adding maybe investing money before you see a return. Right. Well, change is good. You know, we all know change is good. You know, back, you know, like you were talking to Xerox back in the day, we had bolter carding and bolter rigging and it was 99% of our business. Wow. You know, when then I started coming in, you know, we had 400,000 square foot of warehouse space in a city that just Xerox tractor trailers would come and deliver copiers. And then we would load them in sea containers and they went all over the world. Wow. And it was a six day operation for wow. years. You know, then my father moved out to the Webster area because of Xerox and the rigging aspect over here. And that's where we started. And when I joined in 93, well, started in the office and I started looking, you know, started getting into board meetings and I'm looking like, wow, this is one, you know, what happens if something goes to Xerox? We're in trouble. So then I started spreading out. Let's start going. I joined uh, RTMA, the Rochester Tooling Machine Association to get to know the tool and die manufacturers around this area, you know, to deliver, you know, get more spread out, you know, and today, as we all know, Xerox is 2% of my business right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, That's, but just seeing yeah. that that far, that long ago yourself is just so um, incredible right. to hear. I, I think it's yeah. awesome to hear that journey because sometimes mm -hmm. Your, your father might have been like, oh, this is amazing, but you're kind of like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Right. I see if I'm taking right. this business over, I want to know that uh, we, we've, we've been diversified. That's awesome. Right. Incredible. Yeah. You guys would have been amazed. You know, you guys are kids compared to, but the 400,000 square foot of copiers from the size of what you see on your desk now to ones that are eight, 10 foot long that were just continuous coming in and out, in and out. That's amazing. Russia, it was crazy. Yeah, I know a little something about the copier industry. I was in it for about seven <laughs> <Yeah>. years. <laughs> I slugged some of those copiers around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bill, I, what I always like to ask our leaders, um, kind of who's your soundboard? Who, who can you go to? Who do you go to to, you know, throw, throw ideas at, throw concerns at? Like, who's your right-hand person around town? Around town, not in here. Um, oh, anywhere. Yeah. Who, I just didn't know if it was in, in your office or if it was outside. No, I have a office. lot of people here that, you know, you know, most of us, I'm not the, I'm not the smartest one in this, in, in this business and uh, in this office. And I look up to Michelle a lot here. Um, I look up to my project superintendent a lot here. I look up to my guys in the field there too. You know, I can, I can always, you know, go to the customer and tell us what we what we can do and how we can do it but at the end of the day my guys are the ones that are doing executing the work and i go to them they come they come with me to some of these meetings because they know more about the conveyor conveyor work than i do so there's so many i go to pretty much there's not one person i go to all the time 
um, around here, but just within the organization here, I have so many people to go to. Hey, yeah, Willis, you don't have like an ego. Them. Yeah, literally. You don't have an ego at all. And, and I think that really, like, I, at least if you're not showing it. Maybe on the golf course, you got a little bit more <laughs> of an ego. <laughs> no. Um, right now, I'm a pretty mellow guy. I know. And like, does that help you to become a better listener? Because what I heard from what you just said was like, people will come to me with, with solutions because they're closer to the problem. Like, how have you created that safety or that trust with the, your team so they feel comfortable and confident coming to you with those types of things? Well, one of our things is stop thinking, ask, you know, I want them to ask questions. One of the, one of, you know, especially in this business, you know, if you don't know, stop, think about it. And then if you can't and ask questions. So I have, I go with that mod. I go with that thing too. If I don't really know. I stop and think and ask the questions too. Wow. Um, but how do you build that trust or that relationship where employees feel um, that they can be open well, and honest with you? It's, I was thinking, cause I'll go back to my father, my grandfather, my grandfather wasn't much of a, a yeller, screamer type guy. Mm -hmm. My dad was more of a holler type guy, really aggressive. And I'm more of the calm, laid back kind. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, we're all going to make mistakes. Hopefully mm -hmm. they're not major mistakes. There's not anybody in this company today that I have that has not made a mistake. I've made mistakes. It's going to happen. You learn from your mistakes and you move on. Mm -hmm. right? And that's how I think people, for me, you know, will come to me because they're not afraid to come to me. They're not going to get, you know, you know, I want them to tell me that something happened. I don't want to hear from the customer saying, Hey, do you know that someone's this happened over here? No, I, I, I want to know from my employee say, Hey, this is what happened before the customer calls. So I think me being more the calm, mellow mm -hmm. type is it's easier for them to come to me and I want them to come to me mm -hmm. if they need to, I'm, my door is always open right now. It's closed because they were <laughs> coming in here. 90 but you know, they need something. I'm always here for them. I mean, they're here, they're doing what they do for me and I'm here for them as well. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely getting a Paul Newman, cool hand Luke vibe off your bed. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that, that goes a long way. Um, yeah. I think looking back on the leaders I've worked for, you know, and when they don't, when they're not too high and they're never too low, you know, they, they right. kind of are even kill. I'm like, how do I be like that? Because I'm one of those who just scream, woohoo, that I'm all pissed yeah. off. And then I, I'm getting a lot better at that. Uh, but I was going to ask you. If you do though, the same thing three times or something, then you're going to get a little, you know, I might, <laughs> I I might be a little red in the forehead. That's what, his, that's what his face gets a little red, I think, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, uh, what, what are some different ways that you make your employees feel valued over there, Bill? They all love, they do love their job. They love the challenge. You know, I think me keeping up with the equipment and everything and everything and having the, you know, the safety and having the right equipment. You know, it's, it's, that's important. You don't want, they don't want, you know, to come to a company where you just, you're skating by. Then that's, you know, the saying of, the saying of, this is how we used to do it, doesn't go anymore. Yeah. You know, that just, that this does not work anymore. And the day, these days now, you have to do what needs to be, and just know, there's no more, this is the way we used to do it. Yeah. Because it's can't, we, you know, I know, I can tell you, I'm not going to tell you now, but there's jobs that we did when I was in the field, I'm like, and I look back, I'm like, holy cow, we used to do that stuff. Yeah. You know, it, you just, you just can't do that anymore. That's, that's, that's really cool. Like, this is how we, this is always the way we've done it. Or, or and yeah. I always say that that's like one of the most dangerous phrases. And, and it sounds like yeah. you are, but you, what you just said is that your employees see that you're always reinvesting in the business, right. And, yeah. and investing in the top of the line equipment, which at the end of the day protects them 
their well-being. Right. They feel a little bit more safe and secure knowing that they're not using a tool that you used to use back in 75, you know, right. um, where some businesses are, you know, if they're really lean and they're really trying to maximize that profitability, right. they don't want to make those those investments back into the business. Yeah. Yeah, may I ask your question? It's all about first impressions to me. You know, you pull up into that, you pull up into that customer site and you see our equipment, they're going to like, whoa, these guys know what they're doing. You know, and I use that theory and when I was coaching softball I coached softball for many years with my daughters and mm -hmm. that you know you know they start warming up and they're out there messing around messing around you look over and this team's coming in they're lined up and lined up in twos walking in with sweatpants and everything organized and out there doing and all of a sudden you look over my girls are like oh no we're in trouble <laughs> but you know it's that it's that first impression that they you see when you walk mm -hmm. in it's no different than an interview. We all know when you, you, you can tell when the, someone walks in, I'm a big first impression guy. Love you that. can tell right away. And that's why I want to be here. You know, that's why we have, you know, my guys maintain equipment very well. And you see them going down the road. You can see our trucks. I mean, I can pick them out a mile away. Mm -hmm. Neither, every day I hear, so I saw your truck here. I saw your truck there. I saw your truck here. You know, my kids even say to me, Dad, I saw your truck over in Henry. What are you doing? I couldn't die, but I'm glad you saw it. So, <laughs> that's yeah. some good marketing, right? And that, that's that. And that was my dad and my grandfather too. We've always maintained and had our equipment. That was number one thing, mm -hmm. having our equipment looking nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I always saw y'all's trucks driving in from Soda's Point. You know, over to the Webster, the whatever area, every day, every yeah. single day. I think I even took a picture of it instead of a few to Kevin. I was going to ask you, Bill, what's the coolest project you've ever worked on? Oh. Or, or been ownership of and there's so many um mm -hmm. i guess the biggest the channel most challenging one i ever had was um over at xerox um i used to have a photo in my office of it so there was a it was called a they called it a the rocks unit it was like a filter press it was 250 some thousand pounds <laughs> and they had to go into <laughs> And they had to go in the second floor window. This is 2011. And um, it was very challenging. And we had to go in over an office area. So we had these long beams going from inside to outside with these temporary legs. And we landed wow. up on top. And then we rolled it into the building. And then we had to go sideways. But it was, uh, it was very challenging, very nerve-wracking. But watching my guys do that and working on that project was probably the most memorable one. I mean, you, we've had so many here that memorable ones from, I can, I can't even think of, there's so many of them because so everything, cool. you know, everything's we do is what people think are, is impossible. <laughs> I wouldn't say so. You know, no wonder it's so rewarding. You guys pull out right. miracles every day. So. Right. <laughs> but I think it, it has to be improbable before it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, Arkansas going to be Texas? Probably not. It's more improbable there than anything. Um, so, so I hear yeah. he said he, he said he is known to, to 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 crack some jokes at work, but uh, yeah, we beat him this year, and we beat A and M. We won. I, I, I was thinking I couldn't think. I wasn't thinking of Alabama. I wasn't say Alabama, but oh, it's hard. I I like the old Southwestern Conference rivalries. Yeah, um, that's probably my favorite coffee mug still to this day. <laughs> uh, but guys, I got to jump right now. Yeah, it's been awesome been a pleasure and thanks for kicking it you got me fired up at the very end of this thing little, <laughs> little little horns down here so uh you guys uh, thanks, good seeing you all right see y'all yeah. see you Ty.
So kind of just piggybacking off of uh, Tyler's question with the coolest project that you ever uh, uh, pulled off, I can tell that you get just as inspired from your team's wins, right? It, it, it feels like a win for yourself personally. Um, how important has it been for you um, assuming that role in a family owned and operated business to kind of put your own marker, your own spin on the type of leadership? Because it sounds like each generation had its own style and you're kind of putting your own flair on Bolter over there today, Willis. Yeah. You know, the one of the things with me is um, the kind of what I've told tell my kids sometimes too is, you know, I don't sometimes, I do tell them, you know, have a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, have a goal. And don't wait um, until you've reached your goal to be proud of yourself. Be proud of, you know, each step you take towards reaching that goal. You know, for me, you know, I, you know, I talked to my oldest daughter not long ago, maybe, is that, you know, when I turned vice president in 93, that was a goal. And I was proud of that goal. Mm-hmm. Then 98, I became president. You know, that's another thing I was proud of. And then in 2005, when I took over the business from my father in, uh, you know, that was huge, mm-hmm. huge goal for me. And then one of the biggest goals I've always had, and people can tell you, is I always wanted to be under one roof. We've always been spread out through Monroe County. All our operations have been yeah. all over the place. And I've always wanted to be under... Um, I say, when I say one roof, I mean one piece of property. So now, you know, we built a 50,000 square foot warehouse, you know, opened that up last year. So now everything is all out here on basket road. Wow. And then, you know, it's a risk, but it, it's, you know, now it's another goal that I had and, and I've reached it. And then my next goal is retirement. And I'm, yeah. that's my next one. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you raise a really important point because we hear about like vision boards, we hear about goal setting and the importance of that. But it's, right. it's, it's almost like we do things subconsciously when we set that goal, we do the small steps and it doesn't, it, we, it just kind of happens because we're working our way towards that way goal to itself. It. Right. Um, I love that. And, and, and what have you seen, I guess, from bringing everybody on into that one place and that one location? Have you seen it kind of be a growing oh, yeah. opportunity of your culture at Bolter? Yeah, as well? it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a lot better. It's just even the guys here in the warehouse guys were just, you know, jumping in pickup trucks and they go to another building and next thing they come back and they now get a call. There's another truck back over there and they run back over, you know, wow. it, it was just, it's just, it's so much better being under one roof. I yeah. want to say one roof, you know what I'm saying? One roof here. Yeah. That's so cool. And plus like yeah. you said, teamwork and probably even some of that problem solving, some of those natural relationships right. and natural conversations would never happen if they weren't in no. the same location. No, And, and that's like- really what a lot of people are dealing with, with the pandemic. And I know you guys were deemed essential and we probably learned a lot of the challenges through the pandemic. Um, but what was one of the biggest lessons I guess you've had to learn outside of, outside of COVID and outside of the pandemic? What was one of the lessons that you had to learn during that time most about leadership? Who for COVID during those times? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's, you know, I was here every day, yeah. you know, in the beginning, of course, nobody was here, but we were considered essential. And um, I shouldn't say I was here every day, but we, uh, we met a lot and we talked a lot and, you know, we kind of, we spread it out. Like we would take shifts of me being here and then another guy would not be here. And I would, you know, it was more, more communication during that first time of COVID. It was most important here for us, I would say. Um, as far as I was, you know, it was, it was hard because, you know, 
we all our customers are considered essential. So we had to work, yep. you know, and tell them, you know, I saw a lot, you know, I was proud of my guys because, you know, you know, in the beginning it was scary. Yes. Very. It was scary. And these guys were coming to work every day, Wow. you know, coming to work every day and going out to customer sites every day. And these guys all had families at home with kids at home too. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know, you know, I told you before, you know, I have great people here. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. You know, one of the biggest, you know, I've, I've had people here, their fathers worked here. Wow. I have three generations of uh, two families. I have a father and two brothers working. I mean, I have two families that, you know, their fathers wow. worked here. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's, that's special. I mean, they're, they're going through the same kind of experience that you've experienced yourself and being a family owned and operated company and just right. hearing that many years, right. You, you hear about years and, and it's, that's just incredible. Um, and, and knowing that the business has had to change and evolve and kind of find its uh, niche, if you will, within the marketplace. Um, yeah. I always told my father back in the days, like, I do twice as much work as you ever do. And he didn't even know. But, but I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine how he did it without cell phone computers. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's the only reason, you know, it's one of the reasons why we do much more because we have that technology. Um, but And you're you willing know, to invest in, in, that, in that technology too. And it, that's such a wise observation to just see the efficiency differences because of the, the advancements in technology have really enabled your ability of the team to be more places at the same time, pretty much. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, that was. I always say in the, in the sale, I can't imagine like just calling uh, from a pay phone for like your messages oh. for the day. Like I'm like, yeah. my grandpa talks yeah. about it. I'm like, my God, that would be annoying. You know what I mean? He's like, that would be so annoying. Yeah, um, and probably not as efficient. <laughs> it was all two-way radios back then. He's calling two-way radios. Yeah. That is crazy. But now, and that's really why I, uh, Tyler and I joke, but like our generation got to see like the advancements in technology and you too. It's like your father was probably less willing to invest in technology than you were when you assumed the role because he just didn't know it and didn't understand it. You were probably a little bit more comfortable with it and saw the yeah. value. And I think a lot of those businesses are kind of making those, those types of decisions today. And I think um, the ones that had been constantly reinvesting are the ones that are kind of ahead um, and the ones that are playing catch up. Now it's such a difference. Now it's such a cost, an extreme cost that some people are just saying it's cheaper to sell out and, 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 and be acquired. So it's amazing what we have seen. What was if you, if, what is one thing that somebody probably doesn't know about what you do over at Bolter Industrial? What I do or we do it here? You do as a company. Because I remember when you just sure. said we move big things from A to B, and, but there's right. a lot you of know, other things that you guys do that I know the community you know, we do, does not know. We do steel fabrication, you know, small miscellaneous metals. We have the warehousing. We have the crating and packaging, which has grown each year. Um, we do a lot for, you know, Customers shipping things overseas, import, you know, sending crates overseas, um, and you know the rigging and the and the the rigging aspect. You know, the biggest the question when I go out and meet people for the first time and they don't really know who I am or meet, and they always ask me, "So what do you do?" Like, oh God, here we go. Here How we much go. time do you have? <laughs> uh, that's the worst question in the world. What do you do? I'm like, oh. All right, so here, here's my website. You can go through and explain it all. So to explain our, to explain the business is really hard. The yeah. rigging aspect of it, you know, we move big stuff, and you know, in the, you know, 
whatever you think is impossible, we can do. Yeah. But I kind of tell them, but you know, in the food and beverage industry is, is been really huge for us. Mm -hmm. We have guys are just going from brewery to brewery to food plants and, you know, just doing all kinds of work. And that part of the business has grown in the last two, two, three years. Yeah. And I saw one of the most recent projects that you guys did over at North American Brewers, which also looked like uh, pulling off the impossible as well. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So what, as we're kind of closing up, um, Willis, the one thing, the last thing I wanted to ask you is really how do you protect your time, right? We're finding the, the, the importance of like work-life balance or work-life blends. Um, you mentioned that you're showing up early, but also yeah. I know you're a big family man. So how, how do you really set those boundaries and how do you protect your time? So you're, <laughs> you're finding that balance well, and that blend. Yeah, That's a good question. You know, my kids are all, my kids are grown and they're out. So it's a little different now, but back when they're, you know, a little, um, I'm a, I'm very family oriented, oriented here. I mean, I'm most important when people come here, you have stuff to do with your kids. That's number one. Wow. Your kid, I don't want you missing your kids' sports events. I don't want to miss you miss your kids' dance recitals or anything. Wow. I mean, that's number one. And that's what I was, you know, with my kids. I coach my kids softball. Hmm. You know, I never played softball. I mean, I played when I was a kid, but you never coach them. But I ended up, you know, being an assistant coach for years for my wow. middle daughter and uh, coach my oldest daughter. And, and then I ended up being a travel coach for at least five, six years. Wow. How cool is yeah. that? It was great. I mean, I had the best time and um, I met, it was like another family that I had, you know, mm-hmm. parents and kids. And I still see some of these kids. I see them at Wegmans and Hey, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just a great thing, you know, that I did that took time away from here. Mm-hmm. You know, the only time um, right now I have more time for myself, which I can, you know, golf a little bit more, yeah. spend more time on the, on the water, but you know, the biggest, the thing, the only thing that I ever did was take my mind off of work was playing ice hockey. Wow. No you kidding. Know, you, you can golf, you can go on a boat, you can go anywhere, but you always got your phone. You always yeah. got something, your mind is spinning. But, you know, my father built the ice rink out here in Webster and I started playing in Lee's out here. And man, once you're on that ice, it ain't nothing, but you're just focused right on there and your that. work is just gone. So it, if I had a, an hour of two hours a week that I could put to myself mm-hmm. now that I can't do it because of my, <laughs> my back and everything, but I would love to just do that again. Yeah. I, I love what you said too, is like, uh, cause I found different ways to, to totally get your mind off of work. And I say the same thing about vacations now. It's like, am I really on vacation? I mean, you got your email, you're attached to your phone, you say I'm always available. Right. It's really hard even just to take a vacation and really like enough sure. vacation where you stop thinking about work and I found like you said it's more opportunities like I built some furniture with my father that was a wonderful opportunity for me you're sanding right. nothing more boring than sanding but I know you're you're not thinking about work I know that right. so yeah. I love what you said about that and finding like those hobbies and those releases for ourselves in order to really kind of level set and re-energize right. um as we're wrapping up, the last and final question, uh, I promise, is no problem. Um, if anybody was to look, right, and, and look at an experience um, at Bolter um, and want to join the team or maybe get interested in the trades, what would you say to somebody about your experience in working in this industry and the trades as, and, and, and the opportunity that it brought not only to yourself, but also your family and then the employees that you have there today? Right. So... 
you know, you don't have to go to college to be in this trade here. I mean, I went to, I went to Alfred state for two years and took business management, basic business management, went to Alfred university for a year. And I knew after half a year, this wasn't for me. I was ready to go in the field and work. <laughs> and I think and a lot know, of people have that. Yeah. I mean, and here I am today. So, I mean, you don't have to go to school, but you, you know, like my grandfather, my grandpa always told me, be to work on time. You know what? Be to work on time. And on time doesn't mean when you start at seven, you, you walk in the door at seven. Um, respect your elders. Always respect your elders and respect your elders. Don't go into a job where you're a job where you're just going to think you're going to tell someone who's been there for 20 years that this is how you're supposed to be doing it. That's not going to work. Yep. Yep. Wow. Those are some great, great life lessons. And I know Tyler had to leave us, but uh, yeah. this was a fabulous conversation, Willis. Um, the amount of leadership that I know and, and the, just the camaraderie around what just your offices there at Bolter is something that really um, spoke to Tyler and I. We really wanted to, uh, to have a conversation with you because yeah. I know growing up in a family owned and operated business that each, like you suggested, each generation kind of had their spin and their mark. Um, right. very similar to, to just designing that culture that you thought would be best for your employees to, to really enable their success. Um, and I, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing oh, your thanks. insights, sharing your wisdom with us, um, and uh, just appreciate your style of leadership here in Rochester, because I think you're, you're, you're what makes our community better at the end of the day, Willis. So I, thank I you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon.